This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. I'm Danny Shapiro, and this is The Way We Live Now. Today is day 91, since we've forgotten what a belt is, and day 41 of this podcast. I've been thinking a lot about where people were in their lives when the pandemic struck. Some of us were ill, undergoing treatment. Others, in the middle of breakups or divorce. Others were grieving losses that had nothing to do with COVID. And then there were those with extreme chronic illnesses. How were they coping? And what might we learn from their resilience? My guest today is Kimberly Warner, a documentary filmmaker who is dealing with a profoundly unsettling chronic illness. Kimberly was in the midst of making her documentary, Unfixed, when she had to shift gears and make her film in an altogether different way. Kimberly, thank you so much for joining me to talk about The Way We Live Now. Thank you so much for having me. I'm just thrilled to be able to share a little bit of time with you, Danny. Well, same here. Describe your surroundings to us. Um, where are we finding you? What do you see around you as we're speaking? Well, in this exact moment, I'm in a parking lot in a small rural town in Oregon. Um, it's about 10 miles down the road from where my husband and I live, which doesn't have really good Wi-Fi. So I thought I'd probably be better off coming down to our veterinarian's parking lot um, to have a clear conversation with you. But even though it sounds a little dismal, I actually am looking right at um, a giant sequoia right in front of me and then a grove of at least 100-year-old dug firs um, off to my left. There are azaleas and blooming rhododendrons and a big maple tree on my left. Um, So this is my home office for our conversation, (laughs) even though where I I wish I were was in my home office 
seven miles, 10 miles from here where I'd be looking at our veggie gardens and our chickens running around the yard. Um, but this will have to do for today. <laughs> well, you are not my first guest to call me from a parking lot. This is, <laughs> and many of us find ourselves in our cars for various reasons, um, sometimes just hiding. So tell me what you were doing when the pandemic hit. Oh, that's an interesting question. I was actually on a film shoot. Um, this was February 20th. So this is early into the pandemic. Um, I was with my film crew and we were spending two days with one of our subjects, a wonderful uh, man up in Olympia, Washington. And we were spending the time with his family and him. And four of us ended up getting really sick. And um, we uh, were finished the, the shoot, but within days of that shoot, all of us were down for the count and at least for four, four weeks. And um, of course, at that time, there weren't tests um, that we could uh, get more readily available. Um, and so we just wrote it out, but definitely had kind of the respiratory issues. So you think that that was likely an early early cases of, of COVID? Well, we thought, because as the month progressed through March, we were wondering, of course, at that point, we were under lockdown, and um, we thought this is, we, we had been quarantining ourselves since February 20th, not because of even thinking that we had COVID, but because we were so sick, <laughs> we just weren't leaving our homes. Um, Turns out, actually, I did get an antibody test just a, a week ago and tested negative. So mm -hmm. whatever we had, I'm it was it was a beast. But we didn't have that. That being said, we were all um, pretty isolated from February twentieth on, and um, including my husband because my husband was helping out on that shoot. So um, we've been living in our quiet little rural homestead for months now. Um, without a lot of contact with the world. So tell me about the documentary that you were working on. It's it's titled Unfixed, and you were interviewing people who have extreme chronic illnesses, um, which is something that you yourself also are dealing with. Exactly. Um, I decided that I needed to find people that were learning how to thrive with what they had, and this came about from my own struggles. Um, I spent about two years pretty much uh, stripped away from the identity that I once had known, feeling confident in my body, feeling confident in the way I moved through the world. Um, and that isolation and confusion around what I was experiencing, which now I know is called a condition called MDDS, um, Mal de debarkment syndrome is the longer term, but it's a neurological condition that is um, basically makes you feel like you're on, constantly on a boat. So um, like right now I'm sitting in the car and the car is kind of bobbing up and down a mm -hmm. little bit. And it goes from varying degrees of oh, gentle seas to wild turbulent seas. And um, it, it just throws people off in every aspect of their lives, as you can imagine. Um, and so it's taken me 
five years to really adapt to these sensations and they never go away. It's not something that you can lay down and, oh, yeah, it's better. (laughs) Um, So anyway, I got to a place of feeling so alone in my experience of this. And I thought after exploring all the different possibilities of fixing it, which is more my, my MO, I've got to find the right doctor witch doctor, healer, medical doctor, neurologist. I went to everybody. And when I couldn't find a cure, I first fell into a deep state of grief. And then um, somebody told me one day, what would it be like to live with this for the rest of your life? And um, I, I, I didn't like that suggestion, <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's planted a seed in me. And when I was ready to start watering that seed, I, I, I allowed myself that possibility of what it would be like to move through the world unfixed. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, then I need to find some people that are doing it. <laughs> so I, I started just searching and they came out of the woodworks. It didn't take very long. This started last September um, of 2019. And within a few months, I had over 50 conversations with people from all over the country, including a few people in the UK who wanted to share their own stories. And by no means are we all like, you know, we're unfixed and this is great and we're waving our flags. (laughs) It's more of how do we do this every day? Mm -hmm. And some days it feels broken and some days it feels like we can hold gratitude alongside the brokenness. and it has been such a rich journey. And then you add the pandemic. That was not expected. <laughs> that was not part of the film plan um, of getting into people's lives. <laughs> right. It, it never is part of a film plan. No. But it's so interesting because you went from trying to connect in a way that was in person, uh, doing these, doing these interviews and getting to know these other people who were contending with uh, their own chronic illnesses and then having to stop that and pivot into another way of gathering and of telling these stories. So I'd love for you to talk about that because I've you know gone online and looked at what your project looks like in its current iteration and it's really uh, beautiful and special, and I think it has so much to teach people. Well, thank you, Danny. Um, I do feel like there has been some blessings in this. First of all, so there are 20, 20 people now that are in what we're calling the unfixed community. I don't really like to call them subjects because it sounds so clinical. So I, we talk about, I talk about them as well, my friends, <laughs> members. Um, so there are 20 of us and Prior to the pandemic hitting, we already knew that we were going to do some self-recorded videos. But alongside that, I was going, we had a production calendar where I was going to be traveling to a number of these people throughout this year. All the way, we had things booked all the way through October. And all over the world, all over the country? All over the country. For now, we had all over the country. And, but all, you know, a lot of them were on the East Coast. And um, that was going to involve two or three day film shoots with a larger crew and just, you know, following them around in their lives and having interviews. And 
because that's not happening um, alongside the self-recorded videos that we were already planning on doing, we are only doing the self-recorded videos. So every month, um, I on the first of every month, I send out an email with a prompt, a uh, question that relates something to like, chronic illness and what their experiences are. We are into our fifth month now. And because of the pandemic and because I'm not on the plane <laughs> traveling all over to some of these people, we are just going into the stories with a little more depth. And I actually last month asked them to create some B-roll alongside their self-recorded videos. And they're getting quite good at turning the camera out and filming their experiences of life. And what I'm really realizing is that it's forcing me to be less of a, a leader and show up more vulnerably with all of them. I mean, that it actually, it just brings tears to my eyes because I feel like they're, they're letting me into their hearts in a way that I don't think I would have had had we showed up with our big crew um, and, you know, our fancy gear. And they're coming to me saying, how are you? <laughs> because they know I'm struggling with my own you know, brain that likes to bounce around in unusual ways. And so um, I think they're recognizing that we're in this together. Mm. That's become, that's been such a beautiful, unexpected part of making this film. Um, couldn't have scripted it. <laughs> Can you give an example or two of, of what these prompts have been? Yeah. Well, last month, we actually, the one I invited them to share some B-roll alongside their interview was to just talk about what a good day is like and what a bad day is like. And knowing that those terms are very subjective um, and, you know, how do we hold those experiences together? Because to some, a good day really may be a bad day <laughs> um, and vice versa. So we explored that concept and um and for me it's some of our participants have invisible disabilities and so it is especially interesting to see okay what is it like when i look at you you look totally normal so can you show me with your camera what you're experiencing inside of your your body right now and it was so beautiful to receive um you know, shots of screens with rain behind them and the screen kind of muddying the scene or someone else took um, electrical cables and put them together so that they created these shocks. Um, and that was our actually our subject in Olympia who has a condition called trigeminal neuralgia and it creates these lightning bolt shocks in his brain. And for myself, I always do them too to share with them I put a piece of plastic monkey in a, a jello mold and I shook the jello. Mm. <laughs> and like this is on a bad day. I feel like I'm a monkey inside of a jello mold that's being wobbled around. And this month I'm looking forward to what they share. I just sent out the prompt. And I want them to talk about their caregivers and or their friends, family members, um, neighbors, anybody who has shown up for them in a positive, loving way. And um, I feel like I definitely don't want to ignore some of the negativity that is part of living with chronic illness, but we have a lot of that in the world right now. And I thought, let's 
without sounding too cliche, we need more love in this world. So let's hold our hearts in gratitude and think about the people that have really been there for us. And what did they do and how did they do it? And I think for me, the biggest lesson in all of this for myself has been learning to love the difficulties, learning to love the unpredictability, the uncertainty of my own condition, and then expanding that outwards into my community and other people that are experiencing suffering and Mm. holding it in my heart, allowing there to be room for all of it. Growing up as a, you know, perfectionistic ballerina, I didn't have a lot of room (laughs) for the ugly stuff. So peace happens for me in my heart when I stop resisting the the difficult stuff. That's such an important thing to say. And, you know, I'm struck too by, by what you said about what is a good day for one person might be a bad day for another Hmm. and vice versa. And I'm wondering what you think about the way that contending with a chronic illness and sitting in the question of what would it be like if this is it, right? If this is the way that you're going to be living the rest of your life. What does that do during these times? I mean, I found myself thinking a lot about, you know, people who were and are sort of emotionally really unprepared for the challenges that we are all globally living with and people who somehow have had more resilience or sort of muscles for it, which of course changes day by day. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's just one fixed way of being. It seems like it's two step forwards, you know, one step back for everyone. But is there anything that you and your community talk about in terms of dealing with these challenges during this challenging time, which is like an overlay on top of the challenges that you were already contending with? Yes. Um, well, you know, we did a, a actually a video on coping during COVID. It was our COVID-19 toolkit. <laughs> and I didn't specify, let's, you know, how, do you, how are you mentally coping? How are you physically coping? How are you spiritually coping? I just let them speak from their own toolbox because they've all had to learn um, to contend with uncertainty and unpredictability in their own lives. And they're experts in a lot of ways. And so it's a great question because I think we can be turning towards people with chronic illness right now and saying, how do you do it? And so, you know, I actually, we got a, a really mixed bag from a lot of mental health, um, working with your thoughts and positive thinking and self-practicing self-compassion. It was a huge one. And um, joyful thinking, finding moments and things to be grateful for in our lives and balancing that out with what is real pending in the moment. Like I said earlier, it's like being able to hold gratitude in one hand and pain in the other and allowing those both to coexist. Um, And then we have have our resident comedian who says, you know, humor has to be a part of all of this. Otherwise, everything is too depressing. And he has been living in isolation for over 10 years with a traumatic brain injury. And uh, it was a professional photographer, world-renowned photographer, and um, has his approach is humor. I mean, my inbox is filled with jokes from him, and that's mm. his way of coping. Mm. 
You know, the one that really struck me the most, we had a few members that really talked more about the spirituality and the element of service and how even in the smallest ways, if we can turn our attention outwards, um, because we're always going to be suffering on some level, I'll always be feeling this feeling of bobbing up and down and, you know, what it does to my nervous system and the anxiety of that. But if I can turn my attention outwards toward my cat or my husband or this community of lovely humans and how can I care for them in the smallest ways today or at least show them that I, I love them, it doesn't make the symptoms go away, but it fuels me and fuels us in such a profound way. So service was something that a few members really emphasized um, I mean, the list could go on, but they're all teachers to me right now and to so many more. And I, my hope is that I could just follow them for the rest of my life. <laughs> mm. I don't know if that makes for a very good documentarian. I've heard stories that a good documentarian is a bit of a, a jerk, but I've, I've, you know, I'm not following those rules. I've, I've fallen in love with every single one of them and I care deeply about their lives. So we'll see how this, this unfolds. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a series. Yes, yeah. I would love that. It would honor their stories um, in, a, in a very profound way. So my, my last question for you, and in a way you've been answering it during this conversation, but what's bringing you hope? not just during this time, but in general, what feels hopeful? I love that question. And I've been listening to all of your guests' responses. And I guess for me, I reflect back onto what I've experienced these past five years and how through suffering and through the darkest night of my own soul, I was able to find peace that isn't as shakable as it used to be. And that was in direct result of the suffering <laughs> of the agony that I was feeling. And so my my hope and what is actually making me feel hopeful is that people are quieting down and listening to these experiences of sadness and grief and loss in their own lives and the lives around them. And I feel like we're all getting heart surgery in a way and our hearts are expanding to allow um, more breath and more space for this experience of being human as well as the positive and the good. And we want it both, but I think if we're afraid of this, the yuckier stuff, then we can't um, have compassion for it in another. And so I'm hopeful that we're all, going to come out of this with expanded hearts that can hold it, hold the bigger picture. Yeah. That's really lovely. Oh, Kimberly, thank you so much for, for talking to me today and for sharing wisdom. Um, cause that's what, that's what you have. And I'm looking forward to seeing unfixed continue to unfold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, Danny. <laughs> I love that. Me too. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Take care. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Way We Live Now. Tell us the way you're living now. 
We want to hear. Call us on, you might want to get a pen for this, 909-713-8995. That's 909-713-8995. And record your story, and we might just use it on the pod. Also, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash the way we live now pod. We are creating a community here and we would love for you to join us. You can find me on Instagram at Danny Ryder. The Way We Live Now is a production of iHeartRadio. It's produced by Lowell Berlanti. Beth Ann Macaluso is executive producer. Special thanks to Tristan McNeil and Tyler Klang. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's. Because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.